Welcome to Into the Known, a podcast focused on helping you find the known within you. Cindy and I are here with you today to talk about a very hot topic, I think, <laughs> that we've been noticing lately, and it's all about the energy around burnout. Thank you, Lisa, and thank you for indulging me earlier in the year than we had thought we might talk about this. Um, and as such, this episode is coming out in between seasons because we are both noticing that there's a necessity for more communication around burnout. And what prompted me to ask Lisa if we could record this earlier was watching two clients in burnout and then doing some research and deep diving into the literature and recognizing where I was in burnout. Like, I knew I was in burnout. I did not recognize how bad it actually had gotten until I started looking at the research and looking at the different signs and being like, wow, all of these are super resonant with me. And oftentimes I ask people, especially neurodivergent people, would a diagnosis help you? Like some people, a diagnosis helps. Well, I have one client, um, in fact, she was on here and Julia even talked about it. The diagnosis helped her. I have other people that are like, well, I don't know what a diagnosis would do for me. And while burnout is not, you know, a diagnosis per se, it did create a framework for me to be like, oh, okay, I'm not lazy. I'm not depressed. I am, I'm going through something and I don't know how to navigate this new world. And that's where I kind of am finding myself right now. And the moment I recognized myself at a deeper level of burnout than I thought I was, I was immediately like, okay, what are my resources? And like, what can I do to give myself the space and grace to figure out how to move forward? And so that's my starting point, Lisa. Now, I think you've also experienced burnout in the last few years in different capacities as well. Oh, totally. Absolutely. It's like you're, well, for me, I always equate it. I'm running on empty and there's nothing that's filling up your tank. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just keep like you're going and you're trying and you're, you keep working or you keep doing and you keep doing and it just doesn't really get you anywhere. And um that those are moments where you have to do a deep dive into like, okay, what is behind this? And I like how you said, well, it's not depression and it's not, you know, these other things, but it's truly like, I feel like your creative juices have been depleted and you have to find a way to restore them. Um, and that's sort of going through the, you know, like acknowledge you're in burnout is the first part. And then figuring out how do you replenish is the next part. And then doing it is the next part. <laughs> so can I offer my working definition of burnout yes, right now? please. So my working definition is the mental, physical, energetic, and psychological, and we can even throw in social fatigue and exhaustion that is makes it incredibly challenging to do very basic things sometimes. Now, there's a lot of wiggle room in that working definition and there's a lot of other mental health capacity or mental health aspects to burnout and there are a lot of crossover like um, chronic stress and chronic fatigue and depression and anxiety that all play into burnout. But 
the part that matters to me within it is that it is a cross everything. It is not just in my workspace, which is where burnout culture really starts or where the conversation mm-hmm. oftentimes starts, but that it's in my spaces of creativity and joy. It's in my spaces of taking care of my basic day-to-day life and height, personal hygiene and taking care of all of these things and really not having to go back to spoon theory or to use points for how many points you have during the day to like expend energy, like not even waking up sometimes with having any any capacity. And it's a it's very like as a millennial, there's a component here that's very generational and the judgment behind it. Mm. So well, before I share the next thing I wanted to share, um, do you have anything in your working definition um, that differs or that you'd like to add? No, that covers what I cool. see it as. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what really started this was two clients that I've been working with for quite some time for consistently weekly or every every few weeks for several months now. And within, I think, a 48-hour period, they both had a session with me, and I'm looking at their energy, and I'm just like, you can't keep doing what you're doing. Like, you have to stop. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not, this is not working. That was one of them, and when I brought forward the idea of burnout, it gave her a framework to work within, and she was like, okay, so, like, what do we do? And and I want us to talk a little bit about, like, what we do for burnout and how you and I support people in burnout and whatnot – With the other client, she was genuinely surprised when I said, this sounds like these are all the things you're describing are symptoms of burnout. And she was talking about having a hard time with basic life things every day, not wanting to show up for work, not wanting to be social, really just wanting to like relax. And then at the same time, feeling this very strong sense of feeling like a loser. Is she depressed? Is she lacking productivity? Like, where's her motivation? And there was a judgment, a self-judgment. And so what her response was when I said, these are symptoms of burnout, as you're describing them, what she said is, well, I've spent the last two years working really hard at my job to get where I am. And I told myself this year is when I take a step back. So I've taken a step back at work. And I said, you literally just described burnout process. Mm -hmm. Millennials hit burnout because how we were conditioned to be productive all of the time. And then we get into these beautiful careers that we've worked so hard for educationally. We've gotten the right internships. We've met the right people. We got, we learned the right trade, the right skills and we get in and these, these roles and jobs are, you know, require so much more of us than the, the 40 hours we think we're signing up for the 60 hours we think we're signing up for. And those first two years always in my experience, both personally and in observation, feel like you have to prove yourself. And so you Mm -hmm. go the extra mile. Your body can't sustain that. Yeah, a kid can sustain that. But like a kid's energy is so different than an adult. And I think part of the reason that the 20-something-year-olds, the late 20-something-year-old millennials are having a harder time with it is because the factor that doesn't always get included is your body is sh- is slowing down. After 25, mm-hmm. you are fully developed and your body goes the other direction, essentially. And so the more external resources and content I shared with both clients, the more they could identify themselves. And it's what you said. It's the acknowledgement. Once they could mm-hmm. acknowledge that this may be a piece of it, it's not everything. It's not the solution right. to everything. But once they were like, oh, this, this is me. This, this survey, this is me, this content, this is me, it 
it took out the judgment for both of them. And it yeah. gave them the space to have more reflection. And then it's allowing us to come up with game plans because the ultimate answer to burnout, the kind of burnout we're talking about that's that's bone deep, is sabbatical. And sabbaticals are not pro- not possible for, I would say, probably 99% of the population experiencing burnout. There might be 1% that can take time off from work for six months. And burnout recovery averages anywhere from six months to two years. Mm -hmm. And so this is not something, this is one, a huge problem that we're facing in our country right now. But two, the solutions, I think, excuse my language, piss everyone off because they're not immediate. That's not a pill. Mm -hmm. It's not, I'll just go take 10 days in the Galapagos and sleep and be in nature and allow myself to restore. And then I'm going to come back because your habits, your rituals, your routine have been created in a space of burnout. Yeah. So it's just going to take you right back there. Yeah. Yeah, I like the way you said that because it's true. It's really your habits and routines and your routinization. Like that's what's hard to break. And it's not, it's, that's not the quick, that's not a quick fix. Like de- deprogramming years and years and years of programming. <laughs> it's not something you could do in a weekend, I don't think. It's not. <laughs> It's yeah. it's really it's not. And the other thing I just want to I want to say is burnout is different than stress or chronic stress. It, it, stress is a symptom of burnout, but it has so much more than just feeling stressed or anxious. Just like it's more than just exhaustion. It is this mm-hmm. intersection of all these different parts that create this sense of deep fatigue. And I think part of the result of it is the curiosity and questioning of what's my purpose and why why am yeah. I here? Right. And I will also say both in my exploration of content in the literature and then observationally clients, myself and friends, there is also a do I want to be in this body piece to it? And it's not mm. necessarily suicidal ideation, but it's a question of well, why the hell am I here? Like, mm-hmm. what, what is it that I am here to do because this is clearly not working and I'm not being fulfilled? And fulfillment, yeah. I think, is part of the desired outcome. Balance yeah. and fulfillment, I think, are. Yeah, totally. I uh, This conversation reminds me of we were – my husband and I were watching this show last night about um, just different creative people doing – it was little shorts. And this one guy was saying, my parents wanted me to be an engineer so badly that I – was an engineer. I became an engineer. I worked in the industry for like seven years, but I was miserable, absolutely miserable. And then he started doing bonsai and he started posting on Instagram, right? And then he, everybody, like, then people followed him. And now he actually is doing a job. Like he just does bonsai all day. He designs <laughs> bonsais for people. I mean, I, but it's a great illustration of, I think burnout is also an, uh, uh, a symptom of misalignment, which is what you're saying, right? Like, so you're doing all of these things in your life and they're not giving you fulfillment and uh, but you you've been programmed or shown or told that this is what you have to do this is what you have to do this is what you have to do um and i think one of the things at least in my opinion anyway that a sabbatical could do is help try to re align you with why are you here what do you want to do what are the things that bring you joy what you know those kinds of things like i feel like burnout's sort of the red flag going hey, you need to, might need to think a different way here or look at things differently or find something new, which can be scary, which I think it's one of the things that 
keeps you in burnout. And I mean, I mean, I could be sure, like, I could absolutely say that for sure for myself is that a fear of something new or something that I'm not really 100% sure of, but I think will bring me joy is something that could get me out of burnout. I might not do it because I'm afraid that I, for many reasons, like I might fail or whatever. (laughs) Super fair. Super Mm -hmm. fair. So one thing that what you were sharing reminded me of, because as you said sabbatical, I'm like, yeah, but we can't take sabbaticals. Like I cannot take three to six months off from my work. Like it's just not feasible on multiple levels. And what I started, and I think I might've said this at the beginning, or we talked about it before we started recording. There is a judgment from people that are older who don't understand what burnout is because they didn't experience burnout. And so I might I might beg to differ in that way is is the fact that I think they've experienced burnout, but their programming said just keep working. Work. Maybe, but I don't work. think boomers <laughs> experienced it because I don't think boomers were as connected to the world through technology because there's an mm. aspect of this that is social burnout that is directly connected to our media consumption and our technology use. We are uh, constantly connected. We are connected to everything. That is true. That is true. So from that perspective, but you are right, that programming of like you just work through it. And I will say I have had clients and friends say, no, I just need to work through it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you understand how that's not actually possible. Like, I mean, you work through it. You might step out of the body earlier than you wanted because you decided that this was more important. And I even I had a a, a, my friend was having a meltdown and I had a harsh moment with her where I said, you can keep doing what you're doing if you feel like putting these people's priorities and their view of you in front of your mental health, you go right ahead. Mm -hmm. But in three months time, when you don't get to take the vacation that you don't want to use time for now to take care of yourself because you are already in the hospital, I don't want to hear about it. I will support as your friend, but I'm telling you right now, I will not hold space for the complaining because you are aware Mm -hmm. of what's happening and you are actively choosing to not take steps to change it. And that's the rule in my life. Like, if you're not willing to create the change, then I don't I won't hold space for you to complain. But mm-hmm. I just said very harshly, like, if this is more important, if other people's perceptions, if your fear of being unliked, if your fear of getting somebody else in trouble who didn't do their job properly is more important than you being able to sleep at night, you being able to wake up refreshed, you being able to eat the food you need to eat and not just like live on caffeinated beverages and sugar, like not that this person was go right ahead but also mm-hmm. understand that that's not the solution and that's yeah. not even a short-term band-aid anymore because you've done that for the last year you've been putting mm-hmm. the short-term band-aids on and so there's also from a industrial organizational perspective the the career space that was created doesn't allow burnout to exist and what i think mm-hmm. happened just from an energetic standpoint is i think it's very likely we were all on Gen X and millennials were on the road to burnout regardless. But I think the beginning of the pandemic when there was a forced shutdown and a forced sit with yourself period. And after the discomfort, people started to like actually take care of themselves. And then it felt and, and correct me if I'm wrong because I work for myself. It felt like overnight everyone was expect, expected to just go back to the way things were. But the routines that worked before the pandemic are no longer working and the routines created during the pandemic are no longer acceptable by people's workplaces or their own standards or their families. So there's a lot of different components here. Judgment, I think, is a part of it. 
Oh, totally. I just I wanted to chime in on the workspace too, or career space, or yeah, please do because you you work it you and, work outside of your home and you don't work for yourself. <laughs> well, so I work in my do. home, but for someone else. Oh, that's my true. Home. Oh my gosh, you do work from home, which is another piece. I, another piece. Yes. I just want to say briefly, there is a challenge in working from home that contributes to my resiliency around burnout because yeah. it is really hard for me to you never heal shut myself. Off where yeah. I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. I shut off. Okay, yeah. So I please. totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is so much pressure to produce from a, from an energetic perspective in the career space that there is no room for rest really. Right. Like they're like, Oh, you can have a weekend off. Okay. That's enough rest for you. And then you just keep back and churning and churning and churn out more stuff or whatever it is that your company does. So there is, and I think, you know, it's all based in this survival picture, you know, where we all share of like, oh my God, we got to survive here. So how are we going to do that? Okay, we're going to create this career space and then we have to produce, produce, produce. Otherwise, we're, we're not going to make it, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but there are, so I think the pressure for productivity and profit and all that stuff are, are these um, underlying forces that make it really difficult for and companies to even consider the idea of taking a sabbatical. I I've, was lucky, but unfortunately I left the company before I actually, it, I took advantage of the benefit, but one of my companies actually did allow you to take a sabbatical and you could take up to a year off and then your job was held for you and then when you came back you could come back and i'm actually watching there's a woman that i know that still works there that i'm going to reach out to shortly because she's just finishing up her sabbatical and i'm going to ask her like how was it what did it do for you i'd really curious to find out more um but she did post on linkedin the other day she's like i'm almost done my sabbatical i'm getting ready to go back to work and she sounded happy about it <laughs> I, if she's open to talking about her experience on the podcast i would love to hear yeah. it I'll reach because, out. Because yeah. you just reminded me, one of my clients who unfortunately got laid off, their company offered um, a one-month sabbatical. Uh, I think it's every – you had to work there a certain amount of time, and then I think like every 18 months or something, whatever the timeline was, she had her scheduled, and then she got laid off. And she was part of the team that created the sabbatical space. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't think they're going to keep it. They, I don't think they're going to keep that part of the culture. And I just thought – how excuse my language again ass backwards is this yeah like, i know and then one of my clients that when i said i think you're in sub i think this is burnout and she's like oh my gosh this is a framework i can work within and and it gave her language she had a complete meltdown at work and i'm not sharing i'm not sharing her information so i don't think she'd have a problem with me sharing the story she had a complete meltdown at work and they were like go home take the next five days off Mm -hmm. And when she came back, we had prepared, we had set her up for success. What are what needs to happen for you to be sustained in this in this role at this job because it's not working. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with the the things that were non-negotiables. And she went in to have that meeting and she shared afterwards, she's like, I feel like they just thought because I had five days off, everything that was, was going to be fine and I was yeah. going to come back and everything was going to be great. Mm -hmm. Or they expected me to come in a mess and just rage quit. And I was like, mm -hmm. that is horrible because yeah. it didn't leave the space for the necessary conversation. And their other thing, which I want to I want to touch on as well, and I don't want to take away from the career space. But the other thing is like the false 
the falsity and delusions around self-care as it relates to burnout. So I want to make sure mm-hmm. we, we do address that. But I wasn't sure if you had more around the career space you wanted to share. No, I agree. I just I completely agree with what you just said. There's no there's really no room. I don't I think there's a lack of understanding of the limits of creativity and there's a lack of understanding of what you're asking someone to do might be way, way too much. I met a woman at the studio where I work and she was working for one of the big tech companies and got laid off. And she was telling me the story about how she was working like from seven in the morning to like 11 o'clock at night, like every day leading teams and doing all this stuff it was insane and and she got laid off and she's like I was I was sick like as soon as I got laid off I got sick and then I just was trying to recover and she was in the studio and she's just like I can't go back to work right now like I cannot and I was like good (laughs) I said you take care of yourself like she's like I just want to make stuff in the studio and like get my get myself back and then she's like then I'm gonna go and look for another job so I mean it was sort of a forced sabbatical for her you know she was like well (laughs) here you go (laughs) but I think that's what happens I think people get into a forced sabbatical when what you just shared I'm just curious did you have any insight when she said that she got sick right after getting laid off in terms of the energetic read about how and why she got sick because I have thoughts but I would love since you were in her presence if you have some thoughts about that yeah I just feel like she was holding her career space together with so much energy the moment she was able to like well forced to put it down her body was like I well it was forced rest honestly like forced rest like you cannot do any more you and the only way I'm gonna get you to stop is gonna get I'm gonna get you sick And then she, and then, you know, then, then she's starting to do the things that actually she really enjoys and just, just to get her like energy back, like her creativity back to get that, like her mojo back, I would say. Um, and that's the process that she's, I haven't seen her in a while, so I'm, I have to look for her and see if I find her again and see how she's doing. But yeah, she had that's, a great attitude yeah. though. I have to tell you, like, cause she was like, you know, there's going to be a job out there for me. I'm not worried about it, but I need this time right now to rest. I was like, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> Yeah, that would be my read too, is when you hold your, and and I think this is something that I, I see with clients and friends and even in myself, when you are running your energy in a specific way, and it's basically at 100% 24-7, yeah. the second one piece moves, it collapses. Mm-hmm. And this is an extension of when I was training and somebody said, why do I feel like I always get sick a couple days after we have class? And my teacher, he said, you run your energy in a certain way, you move one piece out, your system has to relearn how to run its energy. And for mm-hmm. most people, that's not a big deal. It's a small little fine tuning. But for some people, it can it can have a body response. And yeah. somebody, um, oh, I think it might have been one of my clients, somebody recently had gotten sick and they were like, oh, I think I manifested getting sick. And they explained to me why. And I said, you absolutely manifested getting sick. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the queen of manifesting getting sick. Like, if I'm like, I'm going to do this and I've like decided I'm going to do it and my body is like, this is not something we want to do, I will get sick. And yeah. it's, it is really amusing. Really, yeah. really amusing. I wanted to touch on, because we were talking about energy, running energy at like 120%, like 24-7 or whatever. Yeah. But um, it took me back to our, our classes and it was talking about the idea of effortlessness, right? So if you are in alignment, this is, this is sort of a read that I see, right? If you are in alignment with what you're doing, it doesn't take 120% to hold the space to do the thing you're trying to do. 
And it's so the effort is not there. Like you're doing, yes, there's effort you're doing. Yes. But it's not that like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like it's taking me all this energy to hold this thing, to do this thing. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, there's, that's another trigger to, uh, to, to tell you another red flag to go like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe things need to change. <laughs> so, so let's talk about some of those changes that, mm-hmm. We have tried to enact ourselves. We've recommended to clients and friends and colleagues. And I just want to lead by saying self-care is not the solution to burnout. And I understand it's an easy thing. Oh, if I meditate more, if I take more Mm -hmm. baths, if I have more gratitude, if I am more of service to the world, that's all amazing work. And it can be a part of the recovery and uh, the recovery plan. There's another word I wanted to use and I can't think of it. It can all be part of the recovery plan, but it's actually not the solution. And Mm -hmm. it's barely, in my opinion, a Band-Aid. And I say this because are you actually present and engaged in those self-care acts? Or is it something that you've told yourself you have to do every Sunday and so you do it and you're not actually luxuriating in it or fully allowing yourself to show up into it? So to me... It's a really good piece to have, but it is not the solution. I just want to mm-hmm. I just want to make it clear that's how I feel. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's more I feel like, you know, self-care is good for exhaustion or, you know, you overdid it or something a little bit and then you can just give yourself some self-care and recover. But burnout is I don't know if you look at a scale from one to 10, you know, one being, you know, slow exhaustion and 10 being like absolute burnout shutdown. It's that's where you're at. Like you're at a point, you're at a decision point. That's where I look at it. Like burnout is bringing you to a decision point and something needs to change and you have to figure out what it is. And what I, what I will say for myself in, in creating my own plan to work myself out of burnout, I sat talked about it with a couple different people, healer, therapist, coach. And what I recognized was that it was my routine. My routine mm. led itself to a space of burnout. And what I mean by that is I felt very much in response to what was being asked of me all of the time. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't having great boundaries. So things that I found in my burnout experience and things that I think tend to be really big parts of burnout for most people is the triggers. Like what mm-hmm. what are your triggers for burnout? But also boundaries, not prioritizing yourself, not paying attention to when and where you're connecting with other people, not hearing yourself, not listening to your thoughts and knowing whether or not you're speaking ill towards yourself. Not, yes, we can practice gratitude. So not practicing gratitude or not being present and being aware of what you are in gratitude about, which I just want to say what you are in gratitude about is a personal thing. It is not a one-size-fits-all, and you don't have to be in gratitude about something simply because you have something somebody else doesn't. I have seen a really big rise in people being like, well, I'm just grateful I have a job. I'm just grateful mm. that I'm being paid. And I am mm-hmm. so excited for Gen Z because they don't give two fucks. And they are, <laughs> like, as a millennial, like, there's yeah. this joke, like, we thought we were badasses. We thought we were questioning our- We were not. We were people-pleasing. We were like, mm-hmm. please, we don't want to disappoint you we don't want to just dis- we want to disrupt the norm but we don't want to disappoint you gen z mm-hmm. does not care they do not care <laughs> they are busting out flip phones and thinking it's the coolest thing ever and I talking know, about landlines not being aware that it. that was a thing it's so fascinating so so it. fascinating but they also 
are in gratitude for what they actually genuinely care about. And they're not in gratitude because they have a job mm-hmm. that they don't necessarily love or is not, you know, the spring in their step every day. So gratitude, mm-hmm. but like reflective of self. And I think taking more breaks. I think. Yeah. So in my plan that I have created, what I realized the first thing, I needed a better morning routine. I needed something that started my day, that anchored my day. And everything shifted about four days into this new routine, this new AM routine. I am eating better, which is super weird because I already, I mean, I already have a hard time eating, but I'm like suddenly like, oh, this sounds really good. Like I'm actually hungry for food, which is unusual Mm -hmm. right now or has been. I'm in that cycle of food is gross. And if you know, you know, and if you don't, I'm glad you've never had to experience it because I didn't. And once I experienced it, I was like, I want to go back to ignorance. Um, (laughs) My boundaries with people, friends, clients, family, significantly better. So much Mm -hmm. easier for me to get the text message and go, okay, I'm not going to respond to that right now. Also super Mm -hmm. helpful that Apple has changed their focus so you can have multiple do not disturbs. That is something that is really helpful for me with my boundary setting. So grateful that you can unread messages in Apple now. I don't have an Android, so I can't speak to that. And I think some of this Android already had. I'm so grateful for those things because Apple has created an interface where we are not allowed to be off. Like if my phone Mm -hmm. tells you that my notifications are silenced, you can still click that fancy little button that says notify anyway, which is why Mm -hmm. I don't let people do that. And so for me, like... These are things that are slowly helping me to feel like I'm coming back online. And at the same time, I caught myself this week on days where by the end of the day, I just needed to go back to my numbing, my numbing tasking and my numbing um, activities. And I, I caught myself going, oh, you're going backwards, you're backsliding. And I'm like, but am I backsliding? Or is this a slow process to come back online? I instituted a gratitude practice. I'm not great with it, but me and the 15-year-old I work with, we try to Mm -hmm. message each other gratitude every day because they were going through a rough spot and I was having a hard time. And of the people I work with, the kids I work with probably know more about my life than anybody else because they ask questions and so they, Mm -hmm. they have the privilege and their responses to things are incredibly different than adults. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. If the 15-year-old tells me to be done for the night and to go to bed, I'm like, okay, I'm done for the night, I'm going Mm -hmm. to bed, which sounds weird, but it's not my child. Um, And then I know for me, we're in California, we have had a crazy weather season. Yeah. I have not been able to go outside and take breaks as often. Because I can't go outside. I can go outside when it's raining. I don't want to go outside when it's raining. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. I want to go outside when it's sunny. So the last 10 days or so, it has been significantly more consistently sunny and I can go outside. And that's also helping. Talking about it with my friends, my therapist is helping. And then doing all these deep dives is helping. Do I feel 100%? No. Do Do I burn myself out? Yes. Am I still in burnout? Absolutely. Because I still don't have a complete grasp on how much energy I actually have to offer other people. And I still have things that I've agreed to or agreements and contracts with people that I have to show up for. So this is not a beautiful, oh, in 10 days, I made my life better. This is in 10 days, I was able to see one huge change, one small change that had a huge implication. And what that change really is, just to share, because I don't want to, I'm not trying to gatekeep, 
I had a habit of waking up in the morning, checking my phone, making my coffee, unloading the dishwasher, climbing back into bed, responding to people on my phone, checking my email, doing all of the things that you're not supposed to do that I tell people not to do that I didn't think was impacting me. I was like, it's not a big deal. I'm totally Mm -hmm. fine. I shifted it. I still check my phone when I wake up. That's a habit and it's fine. I don't respond to people unless it has nothing to do with work and it's just shooting the shit or like, hey, like, that's a really funny picture or thank you so much for showing me what your cat's up to. (laughs) I set the coffee up the night before now when I'm doing nighttime meds for the cats. I set up the coffee, which means I just have to click the button. I still put the dishes in the dishwasher because that's how my brain works. My phone does not come off Do Not Disturb. I sit down with my coffee. Ideally, my phone's in a different room. And for the duration of that coffee cup, and I only drink one cup of coffee a day, for the duration of that coffee cup, I am sitting, I am maybe journaling, I'm meditating, I am, if nothing else, thinking through my day. Because what I found is if I create the energetic buckets for my day, People don't climb into my space as much. So that's a little bit more of the woo side and the energy side of work. But it gives me, oh, okay, I've got Lisa on my calendar today. You're going to go in this bucket. I've got Amanda on my calendar. You're going to go in this bucket. I'm doing a workshop that's going in this bucket. That has made a huge difference. And then when my coffee cup is done, if I'm in the middle of journaling, I'm going to keep journaling. If I'm in the middle of a meditation, I'm going to continue the meditation. But when I'm done, then I go do the things I'd normally do, which is like watch an episode of Arrow or YouTube or play a video game. And some mornings, that cup of coffee might last a really long time. And so it might be, all right, now it's time to get ready for the day. And I'm doing it on the weekends. And it was mm-hmm. really it's really funny. So I think I've shared, at least I know I've shared this with you and wonders. I don't know if you know this, but Bubs makes habits and routines very quickly when they serve him, which means that <laughs> it only takes two times for him to go, this is what we're doing now. So two times of going out front at 8 p.m., that's what we do every night now. Doesn't matter. That's what we do. So <laughs> it took him a few days to realize this is what I was doing because he sleeps with my cousin in the morning most of the time. And so one day, I think it was last weekend, I got up in the morning and I'm out there having coffee and I've got Bubs on one side and Mau Mau on the other side. And they're both just like trying to get attention because they see this as attention time. Now, Mau Mau Mm. is understanding this is work time. This is self-care time. This is what she's constantly trying to get me to do. So she's like, okay, cool. I'm going to stop. But Bubs is like, oh, I'm going to sit on you. So this weekend, my cousin has a friend staying with us, and they're staying on the couch. And so yesterday morning, being, you know, the normal human that I am, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're on the couch, but I need the couch because it's my morning routine. So I went into a different room. Bubs was not okay with this. (laughs) Oh, man, he sat in front of the couch I normally sit on, and he is giving me the stink eye. And I'm like, listen, they're sleeping. And they weren't sleeping. I think they were awakened on their computer. And I probably could have been like, can I just, like, scooch in because this is what I do in the morning? I've got a family room and a den. I can go in the other room. But he was not having it. He was mm. like, this is not this is not what we do. I didn't notice a difference throughout the day. I didn't notice that there was – I did, what I mean by I didn't notice a difference, I didn't notice the difference in where my location was mm. and, like, setting up my day. It didn't need to be in the same spot, which was a curiosity I had. Like, if I started on the couch, does it always have to be on the couch? And I got my answer, no. My next layer of this is – checking in throughout the day and setting up similar anchor points in the morning a couple hours after I'm up at lunchtime maybe actually taking a lunch like do people actually take Mm -hmm. lunches anymore because I don't know anybody that does an afternoon anchor and an evening anchor that's ideal the other thing that has already been instituted is that when I'm done for the day my phone goes to my friends and family do not disturb which means 
if you are not in my inner circle, I'm not going to see your text message unless I open up my phone. And it's not personal. It is protection to me because if I yeah. see a message, I feel compelled to respond. And I'm trying right. to unlearn that pattern. Right. All of this leads me back to a set of, for me personally, a set of people-pleasing patterns that was ingrained in me very, very young and a very large capacity to hold space for other people and completely disregard that I still haven't put my oxygen mask on. And so Mm -hmm. this is me working for myself and helping me. And with my clients, it's been a little bit more complicated to help them find what is going to work for them because that's the other part of this. I don't think there's a one size fits all. I -hmm. don't think what works for me is going to work for you and is going to work for Lindsay and Amanda. Like, I think it's going to be reflective of where people are. I will shut up now so you can share some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I I think what you just said is really true. There is no one size fits all. Like for me, studio time is my time. You know, when I'm in the can studio. Can I interject? Yeah. When you started going to the studio again with consistency, I noticed a huge shift in how you were showing up. And I think it was yeah. when you changed studios you were going yep. to. Yep huge shift in how you showed up. You seemed Mm -hmm. much more relaxed and you seemed much more aware of when a trigger had been pulled in your space and you could observe it and then you would share it. I assume you share it with other people, but if it was relevant and you shared it with me, I'd be like, oh, this is what I see when you say this happened this week. That's why I'm thinking about it. This is what I see when you say that. And that's a real, I see a big shift from where you were when we first started this, let's say. Yeah. Use that as the starting point. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And so for me, it's like, and, and then also I will I will absolutely agree with this. And I think this could potentially be a universal like applied for everyone is the phone. Yes. The phone. Yes. You have to create time where you are not touching that damn thing. <laughs> and for somebody like myself, where I am the local, well, my sister lives closer now, if something happens with my mom, I'm the first point of contact yeah. 90% of the time. I can't not have my phone in the same room as me, but I sure can use that do not disturb. Yes. And like I could yeah. get a landline to completely circumvent this, but it's an extra bill I don't want to pay. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. But thinking about landlines, because I grew up with landlines, you know, prior to phone. And it it was you were forcibly disconnected from people, right? Like you mm-hmm. were not connected as much as we all are now. Um yeah. and so you had time to just sit with yourself. <laughs> I mean, you, you could watch TV. Choice. Yeah, you didn't have a choice. Well, you could either watch TV. <laughs> if that was available. If that was available. There was probably yeah. only one to three TVs in your house, depending right. upon the era. Yeah. Definitely exactly. not one in my bedroom. No. So it was like you, a TV, or a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's about it. And like, for my generation, we can add in like a Game Boy or a DS, like a handheld game of some sort. But yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. And oh my gosh, did you have a landline that didn't have call waiting? Do you remember when call waiting? Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, I do remember call waiting, but no, we when yeah, when I was little, we did not have call waiting. <laughs> I was at the gym this week, and um, somebody there that that works there asked how to access the the voice if I knew how to access the voicemail on the landline for the gym, mm. and I was like, it is specific to your phone provider if it's yeah. if it does not have a voicemail button on the phone itself. Yeah. And then I taught them that you could hit star eight six on your um your cell phone and it would bring up your voicemail. And they were like, I've never known this. And I'm like, this is old school. We didn't used to 
get transcriptions of our voicemail. Mm-hmm. We had to call oh, in for that. our voicemail. Yeah. The transcriptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. They're great. But anyway, that that constant connectivity that I believe that is a universal root cause of burnout and that you and we're talking about like the different ways to disconnect. Like how yeah. do you disconnect to spend time with just you, only you? <laughs> and or like, like your family. Routines? Like it, Yeah, like, right. It, it's not it's not like this has to be a personal individual thing, but where you are connected to what is really in front of you. That's what I would say. Yeah, I I agree. Like if you cannot take that six months off of work and like completely immerse yourself into brand new patterns and behaviors and things like that, these these shifts are the way to go, like making that time to do the things that you need to do to get back to yourself. Yeah. So I have a question because you have a kid who's technically Gen Z. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 99% certain they are technically Gen-, Gen Z. Was there forced no technology time in the home? When he was little, yes. Um, as he got older, I tried. <laughs> but it was incredibly difficult. Um, so when he became more of a teenager... There was like, and I noticed for him, it is definitely, I think it's one of his triggers of getting into burnout is just spending too much time online. And it's a tip. It's a tricky one, though, because his friends are all online. Right. And that's how they socialize. I just read something. Oh, my goodness. I just read something. I think it was on Vox.com. It was on something about a Gen X or millennial parent talking about the challenge they faced with their kids because growing up we went out with our friends yeah we did not just communicate and parallel play through a technology technology they are parallel playing and communicating through technology so they're not going out on a friday night and driving around town Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think it was the father and he was saying like has that have they lost something and my answer is absolutely they've lost how to self-soothe without access to their friends but you're right that's that's how he's connecting to his friends in his social space. I mean, they do go out every once in a while and yeah. do stuff, but like 90% We were of out the time. every weekend. The day I got my license, I got my <laughs> license on my 16th birthday. I got my first car the April after that. We were out every single weekend. Mm-hmm. Every single weekend from the time I was 16 to the time I graduated high school, I can probably count on one hand the number of weekends we didn't go out. And I can't think of a single one right now yeah. where somebody wasn't sick. And we went out Friday and Saturday. So crazy. I know. Well, luckily, um, my son now has a girlfriend who actually takes him out of the house. So that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) Makes him go out in the world. (laughs) So the the last thing I want to share, Lisa, unless I'm cutting you off with what you just shared. You're good. um, There is an energetic component to this that Lisa and I are always happy to work with you on. And so if what we are sharing today is resonant, if as you are following what's going out on social media this month of April, where Into the Known is focusing very much on burnout. And I'm not, Lisa and I haven't discussed if Insight and Harmony is going to parallel that or not. However, what I will say is there will be cross promotion and cross posting. So if you are seeing yourself in what we're sharing or what we've shared today, and you are interested in understanding how the energetic aspect of this works for you specifically, reach out, book a session with mm-hmm. us, book a consultation. Even if you've worked with us before, book a consultation and say, I'm specifically curious about burnout. I am not an expert in burnout. I don't anticipate becoming 
an expert in burnout. Although, as I say that, I, I part of me like is very fascinated by how we recover. So I'm still continuing my education with it. I do know people that do specialize in it. So if I and Lisa are not the right practitioners for you to support you in this process, we have resources. Mm-hmm. But an energetic hello, a reading of your space, and a helping of moving out all that energy that you're holding for people that are not you, it can be a good, good, like, third step for people, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's sort of the the little push you need to get the, en- the engine going. <laughs> yes. To start to turn the key. <laughs> yes, right, 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 right. Anything you want to add to that, Lisa, or any healing modalities you have found helpful in your last few years as you have come out of burnout? Because I, I will say as the observer, there was a period of time where I do think you were in burnout. I think, oh, totally. I think you probably, yeah, you self-identified Oh, my as God, that. yeah, totally. And I don't totally, think you're there totally. anymore. <laughs> no, I'm not. I mean, though I have moments of like, okay, you've done yeah. so much. <laughs> you have triggers. You have yes. triggers that yes. remind you that you're getting right. too close to the sun. Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like, it's studio time is one, like just like shutting everything off and just going and making something that's super, super huge for me. And then and for studio, she does clay work. So that's oh, the yes. studio she's referring to, yes, in case you don't studio. remember. <laughs> Thank you. And then um, a time outside. I have to, I have to get outside. I, I'm with you though. When we've been stuck in the house, man, I'm like, mm, it's driving me nuts because of all the rain and everything. But now that I can get out of the house, that is it's a huge, huge thing for me. And then um, meditation. And lately, over the last couple of months, I've been doing um, sound meditation with um, binaural beats. Uh, beats. And it's huge. It's been huge for me. And I realized, I'm so funny. I just realized the other day. All the things that I loved as a kid are like coming together <laughs> again because I used to play piano. I took piano lessons for like 12 years. I was going to go to school for music and then changed my mind and went to art, you know, art and being outside. Like I was like, oh, my God. All the things. This is all three things. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I was yes. I, I was hoping you were going to mention sound because I actually think that. Yeah. I personally think sound is the quickest way to move somebody's mood. But that's, yes, huge. That's just me. Absolutely. Some people will say visual or smell or something, I, but sound. Yeah, I really think sound is, especially the binaural beats, which works with brainwave, brainwave patterns. Yeah. I think it, it's like, it's a really great tool to shift you out of a pattern into a different one. So Yeah, a lot of organizations mm-hmm. use it. The, the government uses it for a lot of things. It's what the Monroe Institute is known for. Mm-hmm. And in, when we want to go back to season one and talk about I know. Mars, <laughs> that would be the technology that they were using before it was yeah. called binaural beats. And with binaural beats, just if you want to try them, wear headphones or ear pods because it's putting different frequencies in each ear. Yep. So. I agree. Anything we haven't covered? No, I think we got it all. Well, awesome. I mean, <laughs> in the introduction to burnout. Yeah, step one. What is to it? Our, what do you do? <laughs> our episode between seasons. Yes. Well, Wanderers, we appreciate you letting us spend your ear on this very important topic. And we would love to hear how burnout is showing up for you and how you might want to share your story. And if you'd love to chat with us, please email us cindy, C-Y-N-D-I at intothenown.com or hello at intothenown.com. You can find Into the Known on Instagram at into underscore the underscore known. And you can find Lisa on Instagram at insight and harmony. 
If you enjoyed today's episode or you have a friend or family member that would probably get something out of listening to it, feel free to share it with them. Feel free to leave us a review. And as always, please let us know what you want to hear us talk about because a lot of our ideas are coming either directly from you or from our observations in the world. And until next time, enjoy the wander.